From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., after weeks of drama, which culminated in testimony on sexual assault accusations and an FBI investigation, the U.S. Senate voted over the weekend to confirm Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court. Wisconsin's U.S. Senators were split on the matter, as Republican Ron Johnson voted to confirm, while Democrat Tammy Baldwin voted no. Were there any surprises, and what do you think will be the impact of Baldwin's no vote on her campaign? Also, could Johnson's yes vote come back to haunt him when he's up for re-election in 2022? Well, so far, Johnson's suggested that he's not going to run again in 2022, so I don't know if that's something to worry about for him. With Baldwin, you know, a couple of things to watch. One, you know, going into this whole process, Republicans kept talking about, you know, Trump's state Democrats and how they've been a difficult situation. But if you look at Wisconsin versus a West Virginia or an Indiana or a Missouri, you know, Trump only won by plurality here, like by 23,000 votes. There's not nearly the the risk for Baldwin going into this as there was for somebody else or the, the gravity of that, you know, that cal- political calculation of, you know, going against a state that, or voting that way in a state in which the president won. So I don't get the impression that there's that much of a political risk for her because she voted against the nomination. The thing to watch, however, is what does it mean for the enthusiasm with conservatives and the Republicans a month out from the election? Because Leah Vukmir, who's challenging Baldwin, she needs some kind of boost. If you look at the polls, she's trailed sometimes by double digits. She's lagged behind significantly for fundraising. So she needs something to goose the base. And this might be something that does that. Now, the question is, will this last? Because remember, you know, we're a month out from the race, which doesn't seem like a lot of time, but it's actually an eternity in plot politics. We could have any number of things that shape the electorate between now and then. So, you know, the thing to watch is there seems to be some enthusiasm, some passion coming from the conservative side. Does it last beyond the next couple of weeks and sustain Republicans into November 6th? Well, speaking of the U.S. Senate race, the issue of patients accidentally overdosing on opioids at the Toma Veterans Hospital and Tammy Baldwin's response to the crisis took center stage last week. It started with ads featuring the widow of one of the veterans who died at the hospital, praising Baldwin's response to the crisis. But then the whistleblower who brought attention to the problem issued a statement saying it would be immoral to vote for Baldwin because of her apparent lack of response. The widow defended Baldwin again, saying it's shameful that her husband's death is being used as a political football. This issue has been dogging Baldwin for several years. Do you think it's going to escalate, and could it hurt her chances at the polls? Well, you know, Leah Vukmir is trying to make it an issue. Uh, We've seen uh, one group come in and do ads about it. Uh, Vukmir's talked about it. They're trying to burn this in, but I just don't see a lot of money behind that that paid media campaign so far. I mean, Vukmir's ad, it's her by, you know, sitting on a stool, talking to the camera and, you know, taking shots at Timmy Baldwin over her response to this whole thing. But the Baldwin ad, you know, she's been, had quite the advantage on the air. So it, it doesn't seem like there's just enough juice behind that argument right now for Vukmir to really burn it in. Now she's going to try. And there is some, in talking to people on both sides of the aisle, that is definitely vulnerability for Baldwin that if they can, if the people supporting Vukmir, if they get enough money behind it, they could really maybe burn it in for people. But 
at this point, we're just not seeing the independent groups come in and play in Wisconsin the way they are in other states. Moving on to the governor's race, Governor Walker, who faces a challenge next month from Democrat Tony Evers, told a TV host last week that if he's re-elected, this next term would be his last. He won't seek re-election in 2022. Why do you think Walker declared himself a lame duck this early in the game before a single vote is even counted? Uh, there are a couple of things likely going on. One, I mean, we've kind of known this for a while. Uh, Scott Walker's said numerous times that, you know, you don't want to save more than 10 or 12 years as governor. So we knew when he announced last November that he'd probably only, this would be it if he won. And two, you know, there's a certain sense out there of a Walker fatigue that people are looking at going, you know, he's had eight years to want to do another four. And, it's, you know, some people think maybe Walker's trying to assure people, hey, I'm not going to try to be governor for life, that this would be it. Because, you know, that might weigh for, you know, be a, weighing, a factor that some people weigh before they cast their ballots in November. Meanwhile, Walker's opponent, Tony Evers, picked up the endorsement last week of former President Barack Obama. This follows President Trump's endorsement of Governor Walker. So what kind of mileage can they each get from these endorsements? You know, they're going to talk about them, but to me, endorsements matter most when they come with money and they come with infrastructure. So, you know, maybe Barack Obama or Michelle Obama visits Wisconsin to do a campaign event, for example. But they're not, you know, funding a turnout operation or pumping money into ads for Tony Evers. So, you know, endorsements are nice, but I don't know that they make that big of a difference. Again, unless they come with that organizational support that then helps you turn out voters ahead of Election Day. And finally, the Wisconsin legislature plans to return the week after the November election to vote on a bill that would provide tax breaks designed to keep open a Kimberly-Clark plant in the Fox Valley. Governor Walker and Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald announced the session after the Senate missed a September 30th deadline that Kimberly-Clark imposed to vote on the deal. The tax incentive package could cost up to $100 million to save 500 jobs. Is it beneficial to Walker and the Republican-controlled state legislature to take this vote after the election? Well, honestly, it may be their best hope. Uh, there are no signs right now that Republicans have enough support on their own in the Senate to pass the bill. Democrats, they need to get at least at least two Democratic votes right now, and I'm not sure that those are there. So the hope is that for backers is that they can wait till after the election, that the environment would be a little bit less tense, and that that might help pave the way for a deal. You know, the other thing is, it kind of buys them time politically for both Scott Walker and Roger Roth, the state senator from Appleton, a Republican, um, because this is a key issue in that area. And Scott Walker, for example, needs to do well in the Fox Valley. It's been a key part of his success in the past, so he doesn't want to lose votes up there because of this. Roger Roth, his seat covers the Appleton area. Typically, it's fairly, you know, a fairly Republican seat, not terribly competitive sometimes, but this could be a wild card. This could be something that maybe opens a door to the challenge to Roth and makes him more vulnerable. We don't really know for sure. That's just something to keep an eye on right now. That's wispolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.